The Great Canadian Talk Show. There's only a couple of watts, but I brought the truth to everyone within three blocks of the west side of campus. No way! Yes way! And now, let's get right down to business with Marty Gold. Welcome to the Great Canadian Talk Show Podcast. This is episode 10 of season 4. I'm Marty Gold. Uh, as uh, the regular listeners know, this was going to be episode 9, but uh, other matters came up, and so 100 Days of Wab it is today. Uh, and we're going to be talking about the honeymoon period of the Wab Canoe administration, uh, over 100 days now, since they stormed to power in October, dethroned the Conservatives. And we're going to take a look at... Uh, what he's accomplished, what he hasn't accomplished, what he promised, promises he's kept, promises he hasn't kept, promises maybe he shouldn't have made, and promises that he says he'll never be able to keep. All that and more as we swing our uh, attention over to the uh, provincial legislature, over to Broadway, and we're going to uh, take a look at the good, the bad, and the ugly, the first 100 days of Wab Canoe, right after this break. The Great Canadian Talk Show is brought to you by The Hive Hair Company. From classic to funky, the styles of your life are at The Hive in the heart of the Osborne Village at 175 Osborne. Call 452-4483 or online thehivehaircompany.com. For your home renovation and repair needs, call PKP. For over 20 years, we've built trusted relationships in the North End, West Kildonan, Garden City, and the Maples. Buying a refurbished home? We'll do your pre-purchase inspection and make sure you get what you're paying for. Go to our Facebook page, PKP Renovations and Repairs, or call us, 204-297-5446. That's 204-297-5446. PKP Renovations and Repairs. They're saying the judge got it wrong, everyone got it wrong, everyone is wrong. But the city of Winnipeg. I was just thinking about how many premiers I've actually like had conversations with. Like Sterling Lyre and I, I, I was never actually introduced to. I was around him one time, right? Howard Pauly, I had conversations with Gary Philman, Gary Dewar certainly on, on some specific files when he was third party leader and then opposition leader. Uh, Greg Selinger, I knew back from his days in CETA, and I never had a high opinion of him for a variety of reasons. Uh, so I've known a few, I guess, right? Philman, Dewar, Selinger, Howard Pauly didn't really know. Oh, if only Sid Spivak had won. <laughs> and now we're at the time of Wab Canoe, who I met on a couple of occasions before he entered politics when he was in the broadcast business. And uh, I was one who did not think he could pull it off, but he did. The uh, campaign veered off in a direction that uh, wasn't going to attract conservative voters, and it wasn't going to attract independent voters, and we've ended up with Wab Canoe. The first 100 days, as I record this now, about 104, 105. But I took to the took the step of talking to some people, adults, young young adults, younger than me, people in their like late 20s, 30s, 40s, uh, about, hey, it's Canoe's been in for 100 days. What's What have you noticed? Not one of them. And these are reasonably informed individuals. They don't live in their mother's basement. Not one of them could really cite anything aside from the 14-cent reduction in the gas tax. Now, when I mentioned to them the federal carbon tax adds 14 cents a liter to gas uh, in Manitoba, and that Wab doesn't, you know, he doesn't oppose that, well, 
No, he doesn't. He, he he's, he's interested now. All of a sudden, he flip flopped on. That's the other thing I mentioned: this flip flop on carbon tax for home heating. Um, they weren't very impressed. You know, he could have told Trudeau to give up his fourteen cents and kept the Manitoba fourteen cents for the good of Manitobans. People catch on to that, but just remarkably undistinguished term in office. Now, in a way, that's good because it means. Uh, Nothing has hit the fan to any grave extent so far. But let's take a, uh, a short walk across the, uh, uh, across the recent sands of time. His first order of business was to retroactively recognize Louis Riel as the first premier of Manitoba. And said that there's a certain kind of history, that history would be taught now about him, but which history? Because there's inconvenient history, wars and um, skirmishes, military confrontations always have unpleasant tales attached. Riel's case, no different with the execution of a political opponent. Regardless of the rationale or the reasoning or the excuses, is that going to still be taught? Or is it going to be a sanitized history of Rial? Now, this isn't actually very important, but when he made it the first thing he his government did, this did not exactly did not exactly impress a lot of people. It's a reconciliatory gesture, and we'll talk about reconciliation, believe it or not, before we're done. But it was heavy on the virtue signaling and very light on the on really touching what pe- on what people wanted to see addressed in Manitoba. Now, what else did he announce early in his term? Making it easier to get alcohol. Now, that's a double-edged sword. I personally agree with the expansion of alcohol uh, sales. Uh, I'm not a big fan of the liquor commission system that we have. He is, because union, union jobs equals NDP votes. But he wanted to expand that, expand casino gambling. Again, double-edged sword. Government hasn't proven, governments of various stripes, haven't proven very capable of dealing with the ramifications of gambling addiction. And all I've seen in my lifetime is government become more and more addicted to the revenue drawn from gambling. And whatever excuse is, oh, we spend it on this public good or that public good. The fact is that there's an ex- there's a, a cost extracted from society, beside emptying seniors and others of their of their pa- of their wallets, the contents of their wallets, and that is the the grief that results, that can result. This isn't I'm not talking about people, you know, where you t- in the old days you take a junket to 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 Vegas or something. I, we've got pro- a lot of problem gamblers, and Manitoba's become dependent on them. Manitoba as a government has become dependent on them. So I'm not so crazy about that. Private liquor sales and retail and grocery stores across the province, I agree with. But I don't think they're capable of even anticipating what could happen if easier access to alcohol might result in a spike, so to speak, of crime and social problems in some of those, some communities or some neighborhoods. Something that needs to be considered. Another thing, Canoe's government considering establishing a supervised consumption site in downtown Winnipeg. A super 
Advised consumption site in downtown Winnipeg will be next to the legislature, next to the lieutenant governor's house. Unlikely. Though those are the most logical places. So the politicians can be the first to feel the effects of such a decision. When you look at what's gone on in British Columbia, you can see that Bonnie Henry, Dr. Bonnie Henry, is a drug pusher, promoting decriminalization, handing out drugs, and their deaths through overdoses are sky high. It's not working. And we know that there's problems that occur around these kinds of sites. Now, I would compare a supervised consumption site with a place where that has no consumption, the Bruce Oak Center, where crime that in that neighborhood has gone down. Because you don't have drug deals being made in behind the arena anymore. And so again, the commitment to the so-called harm reduction. where we've seen that the harm reduction focus is on the addicts and the criminal class within the drug, those who are drug addicted and not on public safety. Where is it going to go in downtown Winnipeg? Is it going to go on Portage Avenue? Is it going to go in the bay? Near the bay? Is it going to go, does the University of Winnipeg count? Does that count as downtown? Lloyd Axworthy thinks it does. That is going to be very controversial when it comes up, but that was one of the first things Wapkinu wanted to commit to. Increase the number of places you can gamble your money away, Increase uh, create places where people can use, uh, use addictive illegal drugs, highly addictive illegal drugs. They decide to abandon the uh, construction of nine schools. That the conservatives had promised. Whoa, that's a commitment to education. Don't get me started on math scores. Math is hard for lefties. An episode yet to come up here on the podcast. About 650, I didn't realize this, about 650 daycare spaces have also been canceled, taken off the blocks by Wab Canoe. This doesn't sound like a very new democratic government in a lot of ways, eh? Stopping the sale of the uh, Manitoba housing properties, that is very NDP, except many of those buildings, I think it's 19 properties, it's 19, 20 properties with uh, 35 units, I think, something like that. Some of those units were going to go to help, to be sold off to help low and moderate income people have a home of their own. Ah, uh-uh, Wab Canoe's government thinks, no, we should keep this, sink public money into fixing them up after they were left to uh, ruin, literally. Some of these properties are just ghastly, the condition that they've been, been and oh, let's go back to, how about that, how about that mess behind the, uh, the old Balmoral Hotel there on Balmoral, that award-winning village that, as far as I know, still doesn't have a plan. So it doesn't look like Canoe's done very much when it comes to housing. Matter of fact, taking away the opportunity for more housing. Doesn't seem he's done much to build schools or daycare spaces. And then there's health care. The whole campaign 
pivoted on health care. The cancellation of the out-of-province surgery program was a wretched decision by Soviet-style ideologues and bureaucrats. Can you come up with a stupider idea than we're going to make our citizens suffer instead of sending them for surgery to Ontario, North Dakota, so that they can be relieved of their suffering? Can you think of anything stupider than telling people, no, now you're going to suffer? That's become a hallmark of the Wabkanoo government. They cut the the out-of-province surgical program, had no idea how to backfill it in our hospitals whatsoever, wait times as bad as ever. Thank you, Dr. Joss Reimer and the Winnipeg Regional Health Authority as well for that one. Personal care homes were canceled. That sends a lovely message to our seniors, doesn't it? Meanwhile, he promised how many more hospital beds to get elected. We're going to build emergency rooms. No plans to staff them. What? Because that's what the canoe campaign was built on. Make a lot of promises and don't worry about whether they're, they can be fulfilled. Don't worry about whether they're realistic. And the media certainly, with few exceptions, didn't really care either. They just let them regurgitate it. Press conference, after press event, after appearance, without really holding his feet to the fire and ask him, how do you think you're going to do this? Where are the workers going to come from? Well, how about the uh, the nursing program? They defunded the, uh, rec- the uh, recruitment program for nurses from overseas. We need more nurses. The NDP says, no, we don't. Not, not this way. We don't want to get them this way. Well, let's take a look at the success of the conservative, the previous conservative plan. Uh, let's see now. 35 healthcare workers recruited from the foreign provincial government's trip to the Philippines are in Manitoba. A provincial spokesman tells Global News on January, I believe this is January 25th. That trip was from last February. The aim was to recruit 300 nurses. We reported on it on this podcast. 348 received letters of intent. 300 were, had accepted job offers. An additional 48 recruited during the trip or to arrive in Manitoba later this month. And travel arrangements are being made for 49 more. Let's do the Faye Hodgman, Joselinski Collegiate High School Math. 49. Oh, sorry, I said 48 earlier. It was eight. Additional eight healthcare workers recruited during the trip or to arrive in Manitoba. Sorry. So it's 49 plus eight is 57 plus 35 is 92. The aim was 300. It's 30% of the way there. Not good enough after a year? You think Canoe's Canoe's government, his officials are going to recruit another 30% this year? There's the challenge, I guess. 300 accepted job offers, 35 already here. That's 92, 30.6% of the Tories' goal. So, so far, the score is PC's 92, NDP 0. The Free Press editorially taking up this matter of the nursing and healthcare and comments by the health minister, Uzomo Azaguara, because she keeps pointing the finger back at the conservative government. This editorial saying Azaguara claims the province is working to change the culture to keep nurses in the public system. 
Well, culture change is all well and good. It seems the most obvious solution is to find a way to infuse the system with a large number of new nurses to ease the burden. Letter writers of free press making their own pitches covering the cost of nursing education, expediting the process to approve foreign credentials. In another two, three, six months' time, wrote the free press, if nurses are still at the breaking point, if Manitobans can't get into an ER or even get a health card for love or money, it won't be acceptable to work backwards for, excuse, for an excuse. The time for the new government to show Manitobans what they intend to do about it is now. Hmm. Now, the province is conducting a survey as part of their budget preparation. And I happen to be asked to take the survey. And after 4,443 responses, just to give you an idea of what the priorities are that the NDP's budget and practices should be responding to, I doubt any other newsroom is, any newsroom in Winnipeg is going to do this. Here's how the survey question went to make sure Manitobans get the services they need. While being responsible for our province's finances, governments must consider carefully consider budget priorities. Which is most important to you? Leading after 4,443 votes was fixing our health care at 33%. In second was lowering costs for people, which Canoe did with the reduction of the, uh, of the gas tax. But I don't know that people necessarily felt a lot of other changes under the control of the provincial government. Ending chronic homelessness, 15%. Reducing the deficit, 10%. Oh, the fiscal hawks. They're in fourth, the fiscal hawks. Strengthening our economy and creating good Manitoba jobs, 7%. That's kind of hawkish. It's also tied with investing in arts, culture, and sport at 7%. Make our community safer at 4%. We'll talk about public safety in a moment. That's at 4%. Meeting the climate challenge, 3%. Very low priority. It's interesting because we know that public safety is the top of the agenda of Winnipegers. But it seems like their expectation is for the city to be doing something before the, before the province. They necessarily expect the province to do something. Again, balanced against all other budgetary concerns. Climate challenge, 3%. Investing in our future, 2%. And guess what? Hit 0%. After 4,443 votes, I believe it is statistically true. You know what? I can't say that. I was thinking this, nobody voted for it, but statistically under 0.1%, I guess, said that their most important budgetary consideration was working together towards reconciliation. So you see, reconciliation and the climate challenge at a combined 3% when it comes to what the budget priority should be. God knows how the, how the caucus is going to respond to their, their, the most beloved of their far-left ideology being rejected as a budget priority by Manitobans. Canoe favoring people going back to work downtown returning to the workplace, which I consider a good idea, but when people say that they are, workers say, they are concerned about downtown safety, that is no joke. That is a serious issue. It's remarkably sensible. Part of the uh, of the uh, opposition is the ire of the hypervigilant, but the virus crowd. 
But those that aren't germaphobes are concerned whether they can walk to and from their car or the bus stop without getting mugged, macheted, or worse. When it comes to public safety, I can't find anything substantive that Wabknu... Now, he did campaign on getting tough on crime. I think a lot of that was with regards to gang activity on reserves. But I can't say that I've seen anything. And one thing that the Conservatives pointed out, he promised within 100 days that there would be bail reform as called for by the Voyakis family and many others whose families have been fatally affected by violent crime. And there's been no changes and there's no indication that he has ever, Wabkanu has ever, gone to his buddy, Justin Trudeau, and advocated urgently to keep criminals in jail. He said he'd do it. It doesn't appear he has. If he has, then Wabkanu should perhaps say so. He said, actually, that he would change bail at the provincial level. I don't know what he meant. He said that during one of the debates. I believe the question came from Marnie Blunt of Global. No action. It's now actually technically over 100 days. No. So while we enjoy our 14 cent a liter gas break, and we certainly do, Wabkanu hasn't gone far enough yet. And the one thing he has done, I will say this, He's kept his caucus under control. For all the loonies that populate his caucus, which is very ragtag, and not many of them, if any, have any experience in business, he's been able to keep them out of the headlines for saying stupid things. Now, part of that is because the media gives them a pretty easy break. They don't go looking to report on some of the controversial statements. Nahani Fontaine, on January 1st, on her, I believe it's her Instagram. I'm here for every predator, harasser, and rapist that gets taken down by courageous women. Hmm. In the meantime, she's been posting endless support for Gaza, never denouncing Hamas. Not a word about the sexual violence propagated against Israeli women. Nanny Fontaine has a few Jewish voters still left in that riding in the North End. And underneath perhaps Wob's radar... There's been some waves caused, in particular by Nanny Fontaine, and the lack of respect she's shown for the Jewish community in promoting a view of Gaza and Israel that is not accurate and not shared by reasonable people. Should an MLA and a minister really be signaling bias, especially about international affairs? Well, it's a good question, but when people expect even-handedness from an MLA and she's continuing to act as a political activist and not as a representative of all the people, as one person said, what are we, the Jews in her riding? in St. John's. What are we to expect in terms of performance down the line? There's not a single post about the atrocities of October 7th or even the rape of Israeli young women and girls.
the virtual signaling from Bob Canoe, in this case from Nanny Fontaine, the virtual signaling from Nanny Fontaine is never ending. Bob Canoe once in a while says things that are reasonable. You're all waiting to see an improvement now that the honeymoon period is over. We'll keep an eye on what's going on on Broadway and let you know accordingly. Back to wrap up episode 10 right after this. Do you have a comment, story tip, or want to advertise or support the Great Canadian Talk Show podcast? Email tgcts1 at gmail.com. Join the Facebook group or follow us on Twitter at TGCTS. You have the power. This episode of the Great Canadian Talk Show podcast is sponsored by Jamrock Security, protecting your family, your business, and your community. Call 204 880-1564 or go to jamrocksecurity.ca your trusted security partner when you support the great canadian talk show your donation makes sure that the investigations the interviews the fact finding the truth telling can carry on when you sponsor the great canadian talk show you're telling the community that you think their stories matter Our public affairs coverage continues to make a difference, challenging the slanted media narratives and giving a voice to the community. When you provide funding for The Great Canadian Talk Show, you're supporting old-fashioned investigative reporting that matters. Support TGCTS today. Back to wrap up uh, this episode, all episodes of The Great Canadian Talk Show podcast, and our Action Line reports are available on actionline.ca. Uh, You can take a look on the far right side under the blog section. You'll be able to see uh, the text articles, those without audio accompaniment, as well as all podcasts uh, available on the site, as I said. But if you go over to the blog on the far right, you'll be able to pick off some of those articles under hate crimes. That's where we're putting our coverage about matters touching on anti-Semitism. And we'll see we'll see if the name of Nahani Fontaine or other uh, NDP caucus members or cabinet ministers end up uh, under that folder. In uh, over the course of the next few months. Uh, just to give you folks uh, an idea uh, of what we're working on, I'm going to be at the funeral of Kyriakis Poyjakis, and I'll be continuing to cover that. We alone uh, have reported that the family asserts that there is a catastrophic failure in the ambulance response. Other media was at the vigil, did not report on that. Matter of fact, one newsroom didn't report on they report about, you know, the what was said about Kyriakos and his good qualities, etc. But the outrage of the family, the anger at the criminal justice system, the calling out of uh, the courts, the failure of the ambulance service, unmentioned in the media outlets that I saw, I might have missed something, I don't think so. They were there, they didn't report on it. That happens a lot. But when I find out something you need to know, I make sure you find out whether it's on actualline.ca in our stories or in these great Canadian talk show podcasts. I'm going to be following up on the on that murder and on this question now about the ambulance service. The city budget is coming up. That's going to be incorporated in our city hall coverage. Obviously, I'll continue to keep a spotlight on the legislature. There is going to be an upcoming report about anti-Semitism. Uh, still more goings on within our public school system, evidently. Uh, and uh, as well, a situation at the U of M supposedly resolved. I'm gathering more information to find out exactly how a certain nursing student was reinstated uh, after after engaging in online posts that were clearly 
clearly anti-Semitic, but apparently not anti-Semitic enough for the University of Manitoba. I'll be looking at those matters um, uh, in an upcoming report as well. Uh, going back to City Hall for a second, Sherry Rollins raised concerns about security and safety at City Hall. I have a number of comments about that. I have emailed her and asked Councillor Rollins for an interview, and that's part of a number of councillors who are waiting to interview, uh, but specifically because of her concerns, those concerns, and this would affect access of the general public to uh, where our city does business. And I've been, I've got a lot of perspectives on that. And I want to find out more from Rollins about what she thinks can be done to both protect uh, the councillors and the employees, uh, as well as to ensure the public has adequate and, uh, and uh, not just safe access, but open access to City Hall. So that's the kind of thing, if it's important to you, it's important to me, but if it's important to you, please take a look over at our donate page and uh, we're going to be kicking off a new fundraising campaign, but you can get in on the, you can get in on the ground floor, uh, but we're going to be setting a, a, a target and a goal as uh, this is Winnipeg's only public affairs podcast with decades of experience, decades of dedication, a passion to make this city safe, a passion to make governments and bureaucracies accountable and the media as well. And so, if you're inclined to support us, support this work, take a look at the donate page. You'll see links where you can do that, and you'll be able to see all the top stories from the last couple of years uh, listed under various categories, City Hall and Legislature, and, and, and interviews as well. Uh, hopefully, you're going to tell your friends and tell your coworkers, tell people that are important to you about the work we're doing, about the interviews we've conducted, about the kind of coverage you provide that is not provided by any of the Trudeau-funded media or any of the corporate media in Winnipeg. With your support, I'm going to continue to, to uh, stay on the case. I'm going to continue to stay on the beat. I'm going to continue to hold their feet to the fire. Uh, until then, hug your loved ones. Keep your eyes on what's uh, going on and let me know at martygoldlive at gmail.com. And we'll be back with more. As always, we do this because you have the power. If you have a story tip, an interview idea, or information the public needs to know, let us know. The Great Canadian Talk Show. Email martygoldlive at gmail.com. TGCTS. Old-fashioned investigative reporting that matters. Thanks for listening to The Great Canadian Talk Show. If you want to email Marty, send it to tgcts1 at gmail.com. Or follow him on Twitter at tgcts. Uh